Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's Gospel tells us about someone who Jesus really loved that was extremely sick. Therefore, the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Many people, of course, were sick, health complications. Some people sick with broken hearts. Other people sick, stuck in sin. And when you love someone who's sick, what do you usually do? Well, In verse 6, we read that when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, Jesus may leave us sometimes in our place of sin or sickness, knowing it's going to lead to death. And the question is, why would he leave us in that condition? Sometimes we might think if God really loved us, why would he let us remain in that state? The truth is, sometimes, sometimes we don't accept, we don't want to accept or we don't realize, sometimes we don't accept that our sin leads to death. And so we continue to belabor the sin. And we continue to justify the rationality of our sin. Well, everyone else is lying to the boss. Plus, the company didn't give me the, the raise that it promised me that I deserved. Or others cheat all the time, and this test isn't really that important anyway. Or I'm just sharing some information. It's not really gossip. It's not stealing because the store overpriced their items anyway. My life is really tough. I just need to drink to forget. God is going to forgive me anyway. I'll eventually stop. A lot of time we don't realize that our sin is leading us to death. That it ultimately ends up in a tomb just like Lazarus. Sometimes we don't realize that we have slipped away that we're in the state of sleep. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Now, if you only have people telling you how good you are, how wonderful you are, where exactly does that leave you? It's completely understandable That when we are stuck in sin, that you just feel that, hey, you know, it's okay. You just, it was just a little cheating, a little gossiping, a little stealing, a little getting drunk, a little just keep on living in sin. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And, but the truth is, we need perspective. We need to face the reality that sin leads to death. That lifestyle no matter what it is, will ultimately lead us to a place of spiritual death. 
Last Friday, we were talking in youth group about Samson's parents and how they just on kept compromising and allowing Samson to remain where he was. This was a great judge with a lot of strength. And sorry, kids, if you love Samson, like I know young boys is, in particular, they love the strength of Samson. And, but his parents didn't, I don't think, they don't do, do their job and they just all kept compromising. And so at one point, the beginning of Judges chapter, was it 14? Where, uh, 14 or 15, where he enters the village, he sees this beautiful woman, he goes, I want that one. And his parents are like, well, you know, isn't there anyone else? Like, couldn't you take someone from our tribe or really any of the tribes at all? Which, as we were discussing, Mina highlighted, like that was actually outside of the law that he should have married someone from his own tribe. But his parents were like, just anything, just, I know it's kind of breaking God's law, but it's got to be a little bit better than the way that you're going. And of course, Samson kind of being the ogre that he was. And, and let's not look too far because we all live in glass houses. So let's not cast stones. Right. But he's like, I want that woman. I want that one. Right. So his parents are like, OK, fine. Right? And maybe his parents were were traumatized. Maybe he used to throw temper tantrums when he went to the grocery store and he really wanted the Cinnamon Toast Crunch and his parents just got used to like him throwing a fit and they're like, okay, fine, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want, yeah, you, you can have it. And ultimately led him to, I want that one. And he's like, okay, he's going to throw a temper tantrum and he's big and muscular at this point and we don't want to lose this one and he might like go around killing people again. So yeah, we'll give you whatever you want. Sometimes that compromise, that constant compromise of parents can help lead our kids towards the tomb caused by death. And because we don't realize it, Jesus says that day to the disciples very clearly, Lazarus is dead. So that there was no confusion on their part. Then he tells the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe. And Thomas responds and says to his fellow disciples, let's also go so that we may die with him. And of course, Thomas didn't get it, but Jesus just ignored and went to go see Lazarus. When Jesus shows up, Martha says to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. And this is the exchange, y'all, that I believe is at the heart of the problem for so many of us. If only God would show up, I would be different. If God really worked, I would be living a holy life. If God would just be here, I would actually pray. If God was actually here, I would stop sinning. Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. How absolutely ridiculous we are when we say this to the Lord. And so Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. And it's, it's right there, but we can't even see what Jesus is actually saying. Now, 
Sorry, I need to take you back to last Monday. I'm lying in bed and I'm looking at this phrase in, in Greek and I'm like, verbally, I'm like, get out. And Maura looks at me and she's like, what's up? And I'm like, this is absolutely crazy. Jesus is using the future middle indicative. And she just kind of looks at me, pauses. She said, good night, Abuna. (laughs) I'm like, okay, maybe at 11 o'clock at night isn't the time to geek out on Greek New Testament. But it was right there. It was right there. So what's the deal with this future middle indicative that is uh, right there? Your Lazarus will rise again or your brother will rise again. What happens? What's happening there in the Greek? That voice that Jesus is using is saying the subject, which is Lazarus, is involved in the action. He is a participant in this being risen again. And that action will affect him in some way. Okay? Now, let's, I'm coming there. Now, that's the future indicative part, right? He is going to be a participant in this being raised up. But there's that middle voice part. This is the part that I was like geeking out on at 11 o'clock at night that Mora wasn't having any part of. And I understand how ridiculous it was at the time. But that middle voice means something. It means that the subject, which is Lazarus in that moment, performs the action for their own benefit. In other words, in other words, the being raised again is not something happening independently of Lazarus. Lazarus is given a command. Lazarus, come forth. And he becomes a participant in that command. It's not something that happens to him, but something that he participates in. And so there must be an action of obedience from Lazarus. And he comes forth. He responds. The action begins within, and then it's manifested in his coming forth out of the tomb. Your brother will come out of the tomb as soon as he responds to my voice, is what Jesus is telling her. And we need to understand ourselves this morning, that you too will come forth from the tomb of sin as soon as you respond to the voice of Jesus. And so this morning he says, Teresa, come forth, and Anastasia, come forth, and Anya, come forth, and Ibrahim, and George, and John, come forth. He speaks the command to us, but we can't come forth until we respond to that command. I want to go back to something that Thomas said that maybe will help us understand how it is that we can actually come forth. What Thomas said was, let's also go that we may die with him. Maybe that's exactly what we need to do to be prepared to die with him so that we can actually come forth and leave the tomb of sin. Romans 6 tells us that if we choose to die with Christ, to be buried with him in baptism, to rise with him, that we can consider ourselves to be dead to sin, 
but to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. If we with Thomas can say we want to go and die with him to our sin, then when Jesus says to you, come forth from the tomb of sin, you'll be able to do just that. You'll be ready to walk away from the tomb. You'll be ready to walk away from anything that is leading down the slippery slope lifestyle that's leading you to that tomb. You may not quite be there just yet, but you can look and say, man, I am going down that path real quick. There's some little foxes, some little habits that are starting to form that I need to take account of because if I don't, I'm going to end up right where Lazarus was. And the truth is, many of us already may be there. The choice to die daily to sin, to live to Christ, is our response to Jesus' call to come forth from the tomb of death. This morning, I want to encourage you that as we continue through the liturgy, that you would, might hear the voice of the Lord calling you personally by name. Because it's always a personal call. It's never just a general call. It's never just church come forth. In the church, there are Joes and there are Jasons. Right? There are Soads and there are Graces. There are. In the church, each one of us has to respond to the call, the voice of Jesus this morning, to come forth. I want to encourage you as we continue to listen attentively to the voice of the Lord calling you to come forth as you look and you realize, man, I am either in that tomb or I'm marching right there with all that I'm doing in my life. All glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.